Bill Mainwood passed the spot on Occupation Road where his hut had once stood. For years he'd been perfectly content in his cramped old porter cabin, organising and dispensing programmes, but the recent move into the futuristic glass and steel building on the former site of the Red Lion had made him very happy indeed. He loved the airy expanse of the atrium. He loved the glorious sight each time he entered of 135 years of Watford programmes stretching far into the distance on beautiful shelving. It thrilled him every time he walked through the doors. Except this time. This time he clutched his head in horror. All the shelves were empty. Uh, hello? Bill didn't answer the voice. He felt as if he was about to be physically sick with fear, although he wasn't sure this could actually happen anymore. The programmes were his responsibility, and they'd vanished. Excuse me, where am I? the man asked. Bill realised an orientation was required. Given the circumstances, it would have to be short. He took a deep breath and went into his usual spiel. You're in Hornet Heaven, the resting place for Watford fans in the afterlife, he began. You'll be happy here. You can go to watch any game in Watford history, including new ones as soon as they've happened. You just go over to these shelves, grab the programme from the game you want, go back out onto Occupation Road and go through the rickety turnstile in the stadium wall. You'll... What programmes? the man asked. Bill was on autopilot. You'll find yourself in the crowd with everyone who was actually at the match in the real world. What programmes? It's not like watching on telly. You can move around and get the whole experience, the sights, the sounds, the smells, all the emotions. Like I say, you can go to any Watford game as often as you like for the rest of eternity. Hello, can you hear me? The man said. Bill fell silent at last. He stared at the vast empty shelves. The programmes were pivotal to the happiness of everyone in Hornet Heaven, and they'd gone missing on his watch. He broke down into deep, heavy, unstoppable sobs. It's a little slice of Hornet Heaven! It was the evening of Saturday the 21st of September 2019. Watford had just lost 8-0 at Manchester City. Bill Mainwood was in the atrium, trying to lift his friend's spirits. Come on, you lot. I know what'll cheer us up. Let's go and watch an old Watford game together. But Bill had underestimated the humiliation Hornets fans were feeling after the worst ever league defeat in the club's history. Watford, sir? Never heard of them, sir. Luton fan me. Always have been. Oh, dear. Come on, everyone. I know it was a bad result this afternoon, but you can't escape the fact that being in Hornet Heaven proves we're Watford fans. It's an undeniable truth, as undeniable as the historical fact that Henry Grover founded the club in 1881. No, I didn't. Oh, hello, Henry. I've never had anything to do with Watford. Not now, not ever. You haven't seen me, right? It's a little slice of Hornet Heaven! It's Christmas morning in Hornet Heaven. Henry Grover and Bill Mainwood are about to exchange presents. 
It's a time of peace and goodwill. Or it would be if Henry and Bill weren't arguing. Stop being ridiculous, Henry. I know you think there are evil men at work behind the scenes at the club, but this Mogi Byatt character, you're mispronouncing his name, Bill. It's Mogi Byatt. It's Mogi, as in bogeyman, which, by the way, tells you something. It's Mogi, Bill, as in dodgy, which tells you the truth. It's a little slice of Hornet heaven! I hate 1977. One day this club will rise, Henry William, just like it rose when I was in charge. Oh, um, what? Did you say something? I wasn't paying attention. To what exactly were you paying attention? Embroidery. I beg your pardon? The embroidery on Elton John's trousers. He was sitting just along the row from us. The way the late afternoon light was playing on the gold work adorning the seams was simply captivating. Far more exciting than mid-table fourth division football. But my optimism for the future is tempered by one thing, Henry William. Or, more accurately, one man, Elton John. The most important thing at a football club is the owner's vision, and Elton John has none. Vision drives success. What an owner believes, a club achieves. I say, that's a natty phrase, Alderman. Almost as natty as the embroidered matching flat cap Elton was wearing with his suit just now. That's the problem with you, Henry William. You only see style not substance. My point is that as long as this club's chairman is a jumped-up pop star wearing preposterous spangly spectacles as big as his face, there'll be no clear vision. Goodness, Elton's spangly spectacles aren't preposterous. They're gorgeous. In fact, his whole wardrobe is an inspiration. I wish I'd had the panache back in the Victorian era to wear a suit with sequined flares and platform shoes. The only thing Elton John inspires in me is fear that he'll destroy the club I love. I wouldn't ever want to meet him, Henry William, but if I did, I'd say, don't go breaking my heart, you ridiculous little man. Ha! Don't go breaking my heart. I see what you did there. I beg your pardon? The way you quoted, what are you talking about? Never mind. Anyway, I think you're wrong to knock Elton. He's got pots of money to spend on the club. Only if he doesn't spend it all on something like gold lame pantyhose. Good Lord. Gold lame pantyhose. Racy. It's a little slice of Hornet heaven! On July the 27th, 2018, Bill Mainwood... Hornet Heaven's 92-year-old head of programmes was horrified to discover that his young assistant, Derek Garston, had got himself tattooed. Bill went in search of help. He made his way to the gallery restaurant in the southwest corner of the stadium and found the father of the club, Henry Grover, sitting with his old friend, Ralph Thorpe, formerly known as the Alderman. Hello, Henry. Uh, hello, Ralph. Ah, Bill. Come and sit down, old son. Thank you. 
Oh dear, William. What seems to be the matter? You look as worried as a Watford fan at Christmas, contemplating the rest of the season. Young Derek has gone and got himself a Watford-related tattoo. It's absolutely terrible news. Ah, marvellous. What? I'm absolutely delighted. But why? Because people marking themselves with their allegiance to the football club I founded in 1881 makes me feel proud. But tattoos are horrible. Nonsense, Bill. Body art is a beautiful thing. I've always wanted to get myself inked with Watford's wonderful 1995 away shirt. That sublime combination of burgundy and teal would look magnificent on my left bicep. What? And I'd love to get the 2013-14 away shirt on my right bicep. Do you remember that sumptuous port wine colour, Bill? Although I suppose people might think that the tattoo was just a birthmark. But why would you want tattoos, Henry? You're an upstanding Victorian gentleman. Tattoos are for... Careful what you say, old thing. Ralph has had one done. Haven't you, Ralph? I certainly have. Elton Hercules Bloody John. I still bloody love him. I've had one done too, Bill. As soon as I heard that a high-class tattoo artist had arrived in Hornet Heaven, I rushed to see her. Let me show you, old pal. It's on my left thigh. I just need to drop my trousers and long johns for you. Hold on a moment. No need, Henry. Really, no need. I insist, Bill. It's a depiction of a long-standing love of mine. Oh, no. It's going to be Alman Abdi, isn't it? Goodness me, Bill. Now there's an idea. I hadn't thought of him. Maybe I'll get inked with him somewhere else. Somewhere more, uh, intimate, perhaps? Uh, oh, no. Hold on. My long johns are a bit stuck. Let me just... Ah, nearly there. Right. The grand reveal of the love that will stay with me for eternity. Dear God, please let it just say Watford. Ta-da! Hey, it's very good, but who's it a picture of? Gladys Prothero. But you've never seen her. For that matter, no one has ever seen her. It's what I imagine she looks like, Bill. Ah, I'll never stop loving Gladys Prothero, Bill. Especially when I finally get to meet her. It's a little slice of Hornet Heaven! One afternoon, two long-deceased residents of Hornet Heaven were sitting in the empty Vicarage Road Stadium. Bill Mainwood and Henry Grover were in the upper Graham Taylor stand gazing out over the magnificent green expanse below them. Bill said, You're a man with a keen eye for beauty, Henry. Would you say it's the greenest pitch in the entire history of the club? To tell you the truth, Bill, I've still got a soft spot for brown. In the 1960s, the club gave us mud in several fabulous shades. There was moist chestnut in March 1961, congealing coffee in January 1965, and most magnificently, during the championship-winning winter of 1968-69, wet beaver. You mean you actually preferred soil to grass? Very much so, Bill. The pitch was basically a continuation of the allotments. Whenever I arrived on a match day, I half expected to see carrots growing in the rookery goalmouth and rows of purple sprouting broccoli all the way up to the Vicarage Road End. The look just worked. 
especially when the football was agricultural too. But those pitches must have been terribly difficult to play good football on. Can you imagine the skilled technicians of our current squad having to play on those surfaces? My goodness, I'd love to see Roberto Pereira's thighs caked in mud to see if he can still play his defence-splitting passes. No, just Roberto Pereira's thighs caked in mud. It's a little slice of Hornet heaven! In late December 2017, the head of programmes, Bill Mainwood, was giving an orientation session to a new arrival over on the yellow leather sofas. The man in the milk bottle glasses and refereeing kit was upset, understandably. Dying hadn't been a great start to the day, and after that, he'd found himself being widely booed and jeered in the place where he was to spend the rest of eternity. As a Watford fan himself, he was of the firm opinion that the crowd should have held back their very loudest abuse in case Rob Stiles somehow ever set foot in Hornet Heaven. The referee felt better, though, when Bill Mainwood took pity on him and led him down Occupation Road to the seclusion of the Bill Mainwood programme hut to finish the orientation session. The previous summer, the hut had been converted into the Bill Mainwood Man Cave. Now, inside the small, cosy space, the referee relaxed into one of the yellow and black striped deck chairs, surrounded by nostalgic Hornet memorabilia. The head of programme said, well, I really must apologise for the rude reception you received earlier. Suddenly, the door to the man cave burst open. In walked Bill's 13-year-old assistant, Derek Garston. Hello, sir. I was just... Oh, who's the wanker in the black, sir? It's a little slice of Hornet heaven! Anyway, we were in the pub in the town centre drinking before the match. And I suddenly realised there were only ten minutes until kick-off. <laughs> but dear old Bertie was half comatose from all the ale we'd taken. He had his head on the table. <laughs> I said to him, oh, Bertie, it's time to go. But he just groaned. <laughs> so I lifted him up and said, You're not crying off. We're going to throw up in the churchyard and go and get changed into our kit. And that's what we did. Bertie scored three, I scored two, and Watford won 13 nil. That's the way we rolled back in 1903. <laughs> I say, you over there, come and sit down. My name's Harry Barton, from Johnny Allgood's title-winning team of Invincibles. Come on, come and hear my tales of life as a feckless and dissolute professional footballer in the Edwardian era. <laughs> Come and hear how Watford players like myself and Bertie Banks were swashbuckling free spirits who drank like lords and played like gods. Come and listen, and I'll tell you the secret of how inveterate party goers like Bertie and me managed to enjoy several glasses of something cheerful before kickoff and still scored more than a hundred goals between us during the 1903-1904 season. <laughs> the secret was to remain conscious. <laughs> now, the rest of you. Did you ever hear about the time Bertie and I were hauled into the gaffer's office the morning after we'd been found swimming naked in a pond at three in the morning? <laughs> Johnny Allgood said, 
For God's sake, Barton, what were you doing? <laughs> and I said, <laughs> Doggy paddle. It's a little slice of Hornet heaven. David Flynn. I can tell you exactly when I fell in love with Watford. It was the 30th of August 1960. My dad took me to Vicarage Road. I was five. The season before, he watched the team win promotion to Division 3. You know, with Cliff Holton and Dennis Uphill scoring all those goals. Cliff scored 42 goals that year, plus another six in the cup. Well, Dad loved Big Cliff. And when the new season began, he reckoned I was old enough to go and watch the big fella too. So I made my debut at a home game against Brentford. It was an evening game. Mum said I shouldn't be going. It was way past my bedtime, but Dad overruled her. When we got to Vicarage Road, there were tons of people everywhere. I'd never seen so many in my life. I remember the smell of cigarette smoke and pipe smoke coming off of everybody. Dad got us seats in the Shrodell stand, though. To be fair, I didn't really use my seat. I stood up all game, partly because I was so excited and partly so I could see the pitch. Um, what I saw was, well, I was hooked for life. The pitch was bright green. It was lit by floodlights on poles and on top of the stands. People's faces were shining and then the team ran out in their gold shirts and everyone started shouting. The noise in the stand was incredible. I put my hands over my ears. Dad gave me a hug to reassure me and it must have worked because I started shouting for the team too. The match was amazing. Big Cliff scored three, a hat-trick on my debut. Dad was so pleased. It was what he'd wanted me to see and sharing. It was why he brought me along. But the truth is, and I didn't dare tell Dad at the time, I didn't fall in love with the big fella that night. I fell in love with someone else. You see, Big Cliff wasn't the only one who scored a hat-trick. We won 6-1, and the other three goals were scored by the left winger. His name was Freddie Bunce. There was something about Freddie Bunce that spoke to me. He played football the way I understood it as a child, running fast, beating opponents and putting the ball in the net. He was so energetic, you could see how hard he was trying. Everyone else loved him too. When he started galloping down the pitch, people shouted, Open the gates! Dad took me again on the Saturday. Big Cliff scored two, Freddie got another and we won 4-3. I thought it would be like that every week, and in my mind's eye it was. Freddie kept bustling down the wing for another couple of years, and after that I fell in love with Charlie Livesey, and then Stuart Scallion. Later, there were Luther Blissett and Nigel Gibbs and Paul Robinson. I've always loved tries. I still do, even now, watching from Hornet Heaven. Hassan Kamara is a tryer, and I love him almost as much as I love Freddie Bunce. So it was my dad who took my hand and took me to Vicarage Road in the first place. I've got him to thank for it. But when I got there, I couldn't help falling in love with Watford Football Club. I've never forgotten that night against Brentford with the tobacco smoke, the green grass and the floodlights and Freddie Bunce bursting with energy on the wing. It feels like I've been bursting with love for Watford ever since.
Hornet Heaven was created and written by Watford fan Ollie Wicken. It was read by Watford fan Colin Mace. It was produced by Watford fan John Mooney. Music by Watford fans Steve Joy and Jeff Wicken. For more information on the Hornet Heaven stories, please visit hornetheaven.com. Thank you for listening.